1049 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick the Idillionaire, he takes jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is High Desert Queen, and they are playing Saturday at the Far Out Lounge. All right, there you go. 512 Friday, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the great musically-themed days of the week for my man Patrick Davis. We appreciate all of his efforts. Uh, we'll get to some uh, college football discussion here, a little Texas football discussion as well. Uh, wrap up the rest of the Big 12 Media Days discussion and reviewing what happened at Big 12 Media Days. Um, and also, Rod's Round the Day coming up next segment. We'll just continue uh, our conversation about Texas Football. We'll continue that coming up uh, next segment. Uh, I got some, really, I got a couple of uh, nuggets I want to share about research I'm doing for the season, um, but I'll share that with you guys coming up in Raj's rant of the day. All right, a couple of stories that I want to hit here before we get to some uh, Big 12 review, and we'll get to uh, talking about Texas football, uh, the Joe D. Camillus uh, uh, base acquisition of him being a special assistant on the special teams uh, side of the ball. We'll get to that, and the uh, the Quinn Ewers over-unders for his projection for some of his stats. We'll get to that, too. Uh, but make or break years for a different college football team. This was a piece from uh, Horns, uh, not Horns, actually 247 Sports, I should say. Uh, they actually made a list of teams uh, in college football this upcoming season who are basically down to make or break seasons, make or break mode entering 2023. Um, And these teams wouldn't surprise you on this list. I'll just kind of go through it before we get to the teams we're going to discuss. Missouri's on this list. Uh, Consecutive six-win seasons, they talk about that. Uh, West Virginia. So, my man Har's been talking about he doesn't expect Neil Brown to make it uh, through the season. And I think a lot of people agree with you because they were picked to finish last by the media in the Big 12. And he was not happy about that. Oh, what did he say about it? Did he talk some trash? Yeah, he did. He he was like, well, I don't think that's right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I I think we're a lot better than what people are going to think. Okay, who you better than, Coach? That's all I'm like. Exactly. Who you better than, Coach? Well, Well, he probably thinks Cincinnati. Okay. He might think that, so he may not be at the very bottom. You know I just said I wouldn't be last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> guys, uh, guys, that's that's pretty crazy to say we're going to be last. We'll be we'll be second to last at least. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll be eleventh uh, somewhere around there. I don't think that's right. <laughs> uh, Michigan State's on here too. Oh yeah, I can see that. Mel Tucker, the shine has definitely worn off of Mel Tucker. Yeah. Now he did not have a long shine at all. Um, uh, Florida is on this list. I actually like uh, Billy Napier. I think he's going to get it together. And he literally just got there. He did just get there. Like, he literally like just got there. Like, two years ago, there. right? Because Texas, yes. Texas played against him when he was at yeah, Lu- yeah, uh, Louisiana, yeah. And that was Sark's first year, was it not? Yes. Okay, yeah. That, yeah. I think he'll get it together, though. Uh, I, I like Billy Napier as a coach. Um, but, yeah, they've had their struggles his early his first couple of years there. Mm-hmm. But Texas A&M makes the list, gentlemen. I think the that's Aggies fair. The Aggies make the list. Yeah, I, I, it is fair. Uh, because it says here, Texas A&M enters 2023 navigating the aftermath of its first losing season of the Fisher era and the mass exodus of talent via the t- transfer portal that followed. The Aggies were 5-7 and seven despite a preseason top 10 ranking and the nation's number one ranked 2022 recruiting class. And woes on the offensive side of the ball plagued the team throughout the hire of offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino needs to pay mm-hmm. dividends our confidence in Fisher and his staff will continue to erode. Yeah, um, the, it's all about whether he's going to let Bobby Petrino call the plays or not. From what I'm told, 
Nobody knows. Nobody like, like knows. Not, even those close to both Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, they don't know. It, said it, it could go either way. He could he could start off calling the plays, Bobby Petrino, and then Jimbo Fisher could become displeased with it and take it away from him. He could uh, start off with Jimbo Fisher calling his own plays, and then that could obviously become a bit frustrating. Um, and then maybe they hit a bit of a stalemate, and then maybe he hands it over to Bobby Petrino. Nobody has any idea how it's going to play out. Right. No. And, the, and the thing about it is, and this is the question that I wanted to ask yesterday when o, we played Olin Buchanan talking about how this is a big year for Steve Sarkeesian. This is a big year for Jimbo Fisher. It is. Like, there are fans that are so restless right now that they are definitely looking at that buyout and smart by his agent and smart by Jimbo, not smart by AM to have such a big buyout number. This is a big year for Jimbo Fisher, and the expectations of Aggieland is rising even more so. You, you, we talked about Coach Sark in the recruiting classes mm-hmm. and how Texas. This is what he's done. He's recruited well at Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, talent's not the issue. The talent, talent is not is the not issue. The excuse, no, Just not like the issue. it is here, everybody's talking about what's going on on the sideline. What is going to happen, and you just brought it up, mm-hmm. what is that dynamic going to be between Jimbo Fisher and and Bobby Petrino, that can that can be combustible, or it could be great. I was gonna say it could be awesome though. It man. could be awesome. It, it no could, doubt. Yeah. It no can, doubt. I'm not make gonna put that past them. They can make some sweet music together. Absolutely. But like you said, also it it, it could be highly volatile. Exactly. It could blow up in their face. So I'm I'm more interested in looking at that and saying you know everybody wants to talk about Texas, but Texas A&M also has had a great recruiting class. They talked about it. They had a top ten preseason <laughs> ranking last year. What mm-hmm. ended up happening? They were number one in recruiting class in 22. What's ended up happening? We will see this year. But that is the place that I think the most heat should be on. I I still don't understand why Florida's on here. I could see Michigan State. I understand why West Virginia's involved. And, of course, Missouri. But the spotlight, the biggest light, should be on Texas A&M. Uh, I agree with you on that. I, I don't disagree with that at all, considering the resume of Jimbo Fisher, yes. an accomplished coach, yes. and the program. Say, say what you want about the Aggies, but uh, they spend money on that program, and they, they live in the same neighborhoods as all the Blue Bloods, and they spend money like Blue Bloods. They got facilities like a Blue Blood. They hired a coach that a Blue Blood would hire. So now I just got to start beating some of those Blue Blood programs. And, yeah, talent's not an excuse anymore. Their NIL uh, arms race, uh, or at least their NIL contention, I think is right in the – Conversation to be one of the best in the country as well. That they've proven that. So I'm with you. I Other think, than Jameis Winston, who has been his best quarterback? That's going to be a question too. Right. That's uh, what I'm saying. Other than Jameis, was it Connor Wigman? Connor Wigman. Connor Wigman. Yeah. He's the, he's the guy from yeah. out, out of Houston. This yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I, and I thought I, he should have started early in the year. I thought he should have been a starter from the rip. But they what? They had a. Uh, <laughs> Is it Matt Johnson, the Max, quarterback? Max Johnson. Max Johnson. Yeah, from LSU. Yeah. yeah, he came in from LSU. I think I think they should just give it to Bobby Petrino. I think he should just give it to Bobby Petrino and let him have the offense. And then he, that gives him uh, and then he can buy him some time. It would, but it also allows him to focus on the culture. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because that also something that, that has fell been off. Been a problem. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I I'm think you should. And I, I think actually the Aggies have a chance to be good this year, but that marriage between Bayer Petrino and Jimbo Fisher has got to be a a sound one, yeah. um, that in a sound and successful one. Miami makes the list as well. 
The Longhorns also make the list here. It says Steve Sarkeesian enters his third season in Austin with a 13-12 and overall record, and pressure is on the Longhorns to compete for a Big 12 title in 2023. Texas's returns on the recruiting trail have been phenomenal on the Sark, with the Longhorns securing top five classes in each of the last two cycles. However, the on-field results have been less than desirable, and the upcoming season will determine whether Texas enters the SEC with momentum on its side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with all those things. I do think it's a big year for Sark, and we, and this is why, and I think for Sark, it's going to come down to a couple of things. I brought these up yesterday, and you know, you go look at the games last season, the one score games last season, basically that Texas had. They were two and five in those one score games. Mm-hmm. Sark is under five hundred as a coach, all you know, in his career in one score games. That has got to flip. I mean, he had losses to. Bama, Tech, and Oklahoma State by a combined 12 points. And I know that's 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 progress, mm. but that two and five's gotta be flipped. You gotta go five and two in the one score games. Yeah. You go five and two in the one score games. Totally we're talking about a big twelve championship. Yeah, exactly. And we got we're talking about Sark in a different narrative. Um and also Sark has gotta be better at the winning the chess match within the game. His, you know, we we know Sark's good at Preparation and game planning. We've seen how I'll give the number. He's outscored his opponents at least last season. Texas outscored their opponents in quarters one through three by 179 points combined, Ooh. but they were outscored by 12 points combined in the fourth quarter this past season. That's the chess match within the game that Sark's losing. He's winning the preparation and game planning. That's winning the first quarter, but there's still three more other quarters and mm-hmm. somewhere between the first and the fourth quarter. He dominates the first quarter usually, and that fourth quarter where he's losing that fourth quarter, that's when teams are making their adjustments, and that's when they're outwitting and getting the best of Steve Sarkeesian. So he's got to figure out how to win that chess match, anticipate those adjustments, and come up with creative counters. Those are the two big things he's got to figure out. Two and five in one score games and being outscored in the fourth quarter combined. Yeah. That's what you got to flip. You flip that next season and outscore teams in the fourth quarter, and instead of being two and five in one score games, you're five and two. Texas is a big 12 champion. Say it again. And start get signed to an extension. Oh, gets yeah. a big raise. They already got that paperwork they drawn up right go. now. CDC they got is two ready. of them. They got two of them drawn up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. That's where they got two. <laughs> they got two of them drawn up, man. Yeah, they do. What direction we going with yes, this, bro? Amen to yeah. that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like that. Sark is right on the cusp, man. He's right there. I think those are the two biggest issues he's got to figure out. He's got to yeah. go win games for his team. No doubt. He has to win them, like, and he's got to have those those moments where your team is just as equal to another team or they're not getting to where they've been blowing people out, and you have that one game where you need that help in that moment where I, I, I've i got to call the perfect play, just mm-hmm. like we talked about on that goal line whip, whip rack. Yeah. They didn't even know. X-Man said he didn't even know it was fourth down. I know. I was concerned about that match. Me, I, I you and me both. When, when trust me. That, I I, like, we just let it go. But we let it go. Trust me. I, I didn't want to like, criticize him on interview. But yeah. like, you didn't know what down it was. He's like, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I appreciate man. you opening up to us like this. Yeah. I'm glad you feel comfortable <laughs> opening up Talking to, to us. your boys. But don't yeah. be telling people you didn't know what down it was. Don't don't you say yeah. that ever again. Man, I didn't know. It was Act like you down. knew what down it yeah. was. But he he, he he cut it open like he knew what it was. He did. No, yeah. you're right. It was and that was fourth down. That was so I need you to down. know that. <laughs> and that call, by the way, it was it was not a great call. It was a magnificently ran route and a perfect throw. 
and a perfect throw. Thank you. Yep. It was a, it was a perfect. Like the ex- this is this is this is a great football lesson. Absolutely. The execution was so crisp. From the QB to the O line to the wide receiving a route run, that the defense, although a perfectly called defense, yep. they double teamed Xavier Worthy yep. on the goal line. They had a, a, a the cornerback had outside leverage, and they had the uh, slot corner safety who had inside leverage. Mm-hmm. And if both guys had just done their jobs, they probably would have picked that ball off and went to the house. But he's at route, least one of them. He's one of them because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he was, he was two yeah. on one. The route was so crisp. Yep. And it was so nasty that it pulled that cornerback in. Yep. And he basically lost outside leverage and then he brought the whip back out and the throw was perfect. Spot on. And we're talking about he we're talking about Sark having faith in that guy making that throw when he hadn't made a lot of great throws that exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah, that was him going. That was a, that was on faith. Yeah, that was him going out there on faith. Come on, out there praying. He was. That was faith. <laughs> that was him praying to the guys because yep. Quinn had Quinn had been off a little bit that day. Oh, for sure. And he just figured, all right, fourth down. On yep. the, can you imagine they don't get that and in that game? Find, and then he come back to the huddle like uh, Tom Brady. That was fourth. That was, ah, that was fourth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, we got another, we down, got another down. No, we don't, no, X man. That was fourth. It was fourth. Oh, uh, damn. Man, you should have told me that. I ought to pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> but to X-Men's point, I guess it don't matter what down it exactly. is. I'm going to make the damn play. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I listen, I, I do think there are times where the execution this year, it can, and Bucky always says, his talent can outweigh the coaching. I think execution sometimes can outweigh the coaching. And like I said, Iowa State, was that the Iowa State game we are talking about? Yes. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. They had a perfect defense call, yep. yet the execution was able to – you know, out execute the coverage, if like you will. Um, so I, you know, this year they should be able to make some of those plays. Matter of fact, I, got, I think I got a Quinn Ewers rant maybe in Raj around the day. I'll get to that. Come on. But real quick, since since we're talking about Texas being able to win that extra game, and by the way, the other team that was on this list, make or break seasons, they had Brent Venables on here. Yep. They had the Sooners on there. Man, yep. Brent Venables. That's what I'm saying. They just got there. So Honestly, how is this a make or break? I agree. I think for Florida, that's premature. To, yeah. I do think for Oklahoma, it's real. I think it's real for Oklahoma. And the reason I say that it's real for Oklahoma is because I keep bringing up the how, what are the odds of a program, foot, whatever, sports program or organization hiring three Hall of Fame coaches in a row. It's extremely rare, and when you when you are that coach that's following two other Hall of Famers that were back to back, the expectations are so unrealistic for you, David Pierce. Yep. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know ding, what I mean? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and but I think same thing applies to Brent Venables. It's all, you're almost in a no win yep. situation. You almost can't win because the standard, the success, the, the definition of success is okay. Big Twelve title because they've won fourteen of them. With eight different starting quarterbacks, your turn. Yeah. With two two different coaches, but like, yeah, those are Hall of Fame all time great coaches. And I do think for Brent Venables, who by the way has, I'll get this number out there because I thought it was great. Ninety seven out of one hundred and twenty three players on the OU roster, first or second year guys, his guys. Yeah, it's very similar to what Sark did after that first season. Basically, Sark turned over that roster pretty quick for Texas. Yeah, he did. He got about 80% of that roster turned over probably in the first two years. Now, Texas felt it in that 5-7 and seven season, maybe just like Oklahoma felt it too. But now, 97 of those 123 players on that roster are his guys, handpicked by Venables. I like it. So that means something too. Yeah. yeah, and also we know for Texas, the OU game always matters. For OU, the Texas game matters. And to get embarrassed last year 
and you didn't have Dylan Gabriel, Ooh. but to get embarrassed last year, embarrassed. it is, <laughs> hey, man, you better at least show up this season yeah. in, in Dallas. Because if you get blown out twice, even if we were a nine-win team, you get blown out twice by Texas, and we're going to the SEC, and now we're playing tougher competition, and we're still playing Texas, and now Texas is wearing the big boy pants yeah. that we've been wearing for 15 years, mm-hmm. and now we're going to – we're going to give the big boy pants over to them while we're going to the SC? No. I'm with you. I think, I think that's why it's it's more challenging for Venables because they just all those things are happening. They're like, dude, we can't walk in behind them. We need to walk in in front of them. Yeah. Like we've been for the last 20 years yeah. in this conference, yeah. basically. Uh, I went, And to, to add to the point that Patrick's bringing up there, I do think that um, Oklahoma, Bob Stoops' presence, he's still active and around there, and he loves him some Oklahoma. He just loves it. And I, he hasn't retired, retired. He's just because he still was coaching in like the it was a US. Is it US yes. or XFL? XFL, yeah. one of those. He was coaching in he one was, of those it, in Arlington. Yeah, yeah. He was coaching the one of those. Yes, and every time there's yeah. a coaching vacancy. Matter of fact, somebody brought his name up when Pat Fitzgerald was let go. It was like I think he owns a house in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I, 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 to Patrick Patrick's point, because Bob Stoops is always there, and I know he feels some guilt. About the Lincoln Riley situation, because that, yeah. that was his guy handpicked to be a successor. He's going to lead OU into the future. I ain't got to worry about it. I left it in good hands. Well, yeah. did you? Did you? Are you leaving it in the hands of a backstabber? That might be the that might be the <laughs> point right there. Well, to say like Lincoln Riley's like, no nah, man, I ain't no OU guy. You're an OU guy. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just one of the best coaches in football. Period. I'm not an OU guy though. Bob Stoops is an OU guy. Yeah, he's he, he likes shoot. he likes being known as an OU guy. That's why I don't he does, he want he didn't want to go to another university. Yeah, yeah I and, think he wants to be known as an o, I'm OU guy. I mean, now he's an XFL champion. So uh, Stoops uh, is an XFL uh, champion. He's, yeah, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know he won the championship. No, yeah. None of us did. That's Arlington a bad sign Renegades. for the XFL because because yeah. he can coach ball. And you know what? Yeah. He can go coach ball damn near anywhere. So Jim, I was Jim in, I was in Arlington for opening day of yeah. the XFL. And The Rock was staying at my hotel. Him and his his ex wife, Danny. Really? Nice. Yeah, they were, they, and it was right across the street from because Big Twelve. I mean, not Big Twelve, but the uh, Globe Life Classic was going on with Texas playing baseball. Oh, that's right. And at he was Gilf. across the okay. he was right across the street oh, at the old stadium. Interesting. And then he went to San Antonio right after that. So yeah, yeah Stoops was around. And so I get, Stoops and my thing was Stoops. He won't come back to necessarily coach it, but he'll pull like a a, a Bill Snyder. Yeah, remember Bill Snyder did a follow up. I was like, yeah. ah, let me come back and fix this damn program. They don't know what the hell they doing. And then he came back for a while, yep. fixed it up. I can see Bob Stoops saying, "I'll come back for a couple of years, get it right for you, and then we'll pick a successor. We can do it together. A really good young, you know, like coach." Him. That we all agree on, and I can bring him up, kind of groom him a little bit. I can see Bob Stoops doing that if this Venable thing doesn't. Because by the way, I think Venable is also hand, kind of handpicked. Yeah. By Stoops, like, hey, no, no, this is the guy. So if that doesn't work out, he's definitely gonna feel some guilt. Like, damn it. Yeah. I gave him Riley, and that didn't work out. Now Venable. I gave him. Riley. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he was. He just kind of yeah. like on the platter. He handed that one off. Texas should have had Lincoln Riley. Didn't his Didn't his family go to Texas? Yeah. Yeah, and Bob Stoops uh, is only 62 years old. He's young, man. Like, he's nine years younger than Mac Brown. That's what I'm to saying. To give you an idea, that Mac Brown's still coach at UNC. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. For him to come back, he'd still coach for another six, seven years Easy. and still be out before a 70, mm-hmm. which in today's age isn't, for a great coach, is not that old. 
And uh, shot, thanks for bringing up the Mac thing. Uh, yep. Mac Brown was on with Light the Tower with Chris yes, he was earlier today. Go check that out at hornfm.com. Really good interview. Uh, Mac uh, dropping some knowledge, as always, told some good stories and stuff. But uh, go check that out at hornfm.com. Okay, I want to get to some Sark stuff, but I will uh, save it. We'll table it for Raj Ram today, uh, doing some research for uh, the season coming up. And I'll give props to Joe Me the Money. Joy McGuire mm-hmm. and a lesson that Sark can learn from Joy McGuire. I know Texas Tech fans, you better eat it up. Not very often <laughs> I'm going to say Sark can learn lessons from Joy McGuire, but he can. I'll explain that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie on One Four Nine The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Everybody's favorite sleeper team in the Big 12 this year, their dark horse, is uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech Raid Red Raiders are getting a lot of love as the potential kind of dark horse team in uh, the Big 12. And it's based on what they did last year. A lot of people think they overachieved last year going 8-5. and five. And I don't know if they overachieved, but they, they definitely benefited from a Joey McGuire's ag- aggressive mentality. And there's an argument to be made that he was among, if not the most aggressive coaches in all of college football last year. And, you know, when Texas played Texas Tech and lost in overtime, um, Texas assumed that the (laughs) gratuitous amount of fourth down attempts and conversions was isolated to Texas. That was just something like, man, that was that was his, you know, that was his game plan to beat Texas specifically as a riverboat gambler. They end up calling him Joey, Joe me the money uh, for Joey McGuire because he would go for it so much on fourth down and he would on those money downs. Hey, he would cash in on those money downs. He went six of eight versus Texas. Big part of why they end up winning that game. And found this little stat about Texas Tech. They attempted 52 fourth downs. 52 52. fourth downs. Yeah. In Joy McGuire's debut season. That was the most in the country in 2023. And it was the most by any FBS team going all the way back to at least 2009. A little tougher because of uh, lack of consistent stat statistical records to get anything, uh, you know, concrete before then. But it might be the all-time record. There's a belief that it could be the all-time record. Just can't say definitively because it couldn't go back and actually research that. So 52 fourth downs last season and Tech converted 33 of them. So that's a 63.4% conversion rate, 18th nationally overall. But for teams that had at least 30-plus fourth-down conversions, that was fifth best. So had them essentially top five for really, really aggressive fourth-down teams. Um, they went five of six versus Ole Miss and won that game. They were six of seven versus West Virginia uh, going for it on fourth down. So they were extremely aggressive. Now, Texas may have been probably the – most extreme example of it, but in the 12 games in which Tech attempted a fourth down conversion, there was six and one when they converted more than 50% of those fourth downs, and they were one and four when they had a conversion rate below 50%. And Longhorn fans, remember, it wasn't really a rhyme or reason to it. it usually it's like, all right, we're past, we're on our side of the field, 
um, you know, sorry, we're on their side of the field. We're on the opposing side of the 50, and we're closer to 40. Too, we're too close to punt, too far for a field goal. Let's go for it. And a lot of coaches have, you know, a serious – they kind of got kind of a model. The, the green the green folder, analytic folder for Tom Herman. They have a kind of a concrete model that tells them, anytime you're within this range and is within this yardage, you can go for it. All right, within this distance, you can go for it, or within this yardage, you can go for it. And they just kind of follow that model consistently all year. And you can see, okay, they usually go for it anytime they're on the opposing teams or 43 or 45 yard line right around there, and anything less than two or three yards to go. You can see that trend, that pattern. Now with Texas Tech, Longhorn fans remember this. I mean, he could be anywhere. He could be on his he could be on his forty or his thirty he'll go for it. He could be on the opposing team's thirty or forty he'll go for it. Uh goal line within field goal range, outside of field goal range, does not matter. Not really a rhyme or reason to it. He's just it's a gut thing. He actually admitted it. It's kind of a gut feeling. Um, based on the feel of the game. One thing I've criticized Sark for. Sark doesn't have great feel for the game. You gotta realize when the tide's turning. When things are shifting, yeah, <laughs> you got to be quickly. To, you got to be able to, you know, lick your finger and put your finger up and be able to feel the shifting of the winds and momentum. And sometimes Sark has a, a tough time being able to gauge that. I'll give Joey McGuire a lot of credit. He was really good in terms of his feel of the game because that's all the fourth that fourth down conversions are. If you're going to go for it like he was, you don't have necessarily a strict uh, protocol or a kind of a uh, kind of strict definition. Uh, about your fourth down aggression, if you don't have that uh, already laid out and outlined, then you kind of go off your gut, and that's exactly what he did. So, in the, like I said, in 12 games in which they attempted one, six and one when they completed 50-plus percent of their, or at least when they converted 50-plus percent of their fourth downs. And when they were below that number, they were one and four. Now, how about this? You go look at fourth down conversions that extended drives. So their fourth down conversions that extended drives that they converted. So they convert a fourth down, and then that drive extended, extends and then it leads to points. So anytime a fourth down conversion extended a drive that led to points, they take that number and also take the number and subtract that number uh, from the amount of points that you gave up as a result of failed fourth down conversions. So they actually had 129 points that they actually scored as a result of fourth downs converted and then those fourth downs extending drives that led to 129 points. Uh, when they turned the ball over on downs on fourth downs they failed to convert, they allowed teams to score 44 points. So the difference is 85 points. So they kind of, you know, they, uh, they basically had a profit, they had a net profit if you would consider it a money down on fourth down. Their net profit was 85 points, which is an average of six and a half points per game. Guys, they... They beat U of H, UT, and Oklahoma in overtime by all by three points. Basically, Joe me the money, got him three wins. Got him three wins. That's what we've been talking about. Or and they beat, yeah, beat U of H, uh, uh, Texas, and Oklahoma all in overtime by three points, and they beat Iowa State by four points. I mean, basically, Joe McGuire, on the books, can say, hey, "Man, I got us." Two, three more wins just for my aggressive style. Just for me doing, setting myself apart, doing something unique that nobody else is doing as aggressively and as extreme as he's doing it. And it led to his team getting a couple of more wins. Uh, if you go look at of the 84 offensive and defensive fourth downs, that means they defended fourth downs too because they actually were decent in fourth down defense. Um, 
of the 84 offensive and defensive fourth downs that they either had to convert or they defended, they won 54 of them. All right, so they won 54 on defense. They either stopped the, they uh, stopped the conversion or were able to defend them uh, successfully, or on offense they were able to convert the fourth down. So 54 out of 84, you're talking about 64% of the fourth downs, the money downs, offense and defense, Tech won this year. So they that they, they were winning be that money down. Aggressive. It, yeah. Be be aggressive. And so and so the, to me the lesson and the lesson for Sark is first of all I need I need you as a coach. I need to be able to quantify and document with all the stats that I research and look up and all the film study I do. I need to be able to quantify Sark got us a win mm-hmm. or two or three. I can, based on these numbers, it is clear that the mentality and the ideology of Jordan McGuire as a coach won Texas Tech three more games. Maybe four. Maybe four. It's pretty obvious him coming in like, nah, man, this is my mentality. I'm a ride. I'm, I know sometimes it's going to look irrational. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to like this roller coaster ride we're on because it's going to be a, a scary dip. But man, when we start riding high. It ain't going to be nothing like it. Right. And he took Texas Tech fans on that ride and turns out. That's why they're walking around ride. with their chest so poked out right ride. now. Because yeah. they know that their coach went out there and won them some games. Yeah. And I need to be able to quantify that Sark won us some games last year. Yeah. What game last year did Sark win? Not just give it, not, 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 no, not give it to Bijan. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. We all knew that. That was my motto for the year. If, my, my thing, I'm not saying he didn't. My point, my point is it's tough for you to find it in your mind right now to go, oh, no, 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 no. Remember this? Remember what he did late in the game in that fourth quarter? You remember those moves? You remember those chess moves he was making? Tactician? <laughs> that's what I'm, that's, exactly. I'm, I'm it's sitting not, looking it's, it's right not, now. It's not as obvious. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It's just not as obvious. So, and, 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 and part of it is there are a lot of concepts that work for Sark, but he, he doesn't want to be an extremist. At times he's a moderate. When he should be an extremist about some of his concepts. I'll give you an example. So an example is targets to motion. This is when the quarterback targets a player who was in, either in motion prior to the snap or in motion at the time of the snap. Okay? Mm-hmm. Targets to motion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go look at it, his com- the completion percentage for Texas quarterbacks, targets to motion, 80 over 80% completion percentage. 30, over 30% of the targets to motion for Texas last season resulted in explosive play, which means a play of 15 or more yards. Xavier Worthy averages 21.9 yards per reception on targets with pre-snap motion. Do you know the percentage of targets to motion we have? Eight, a little over 8%. Should be higher, huh? It should definitely be right, higher. Exactly. It should so like, definitely be higher. Jerry McGuire's like, hey, man, we're good on fourth downs. So should we run just, you know, 30 or 40 in the season? No, we're going to do 52. Yeah. We're going to set the damn record. Yeah. That's what we do well. Let's do it. Analytics say it works. Let's, then let's be bullish about it. Well, he and, definitely was bullish about it. And I got a lot of concepts like this from Sark that were really successful last year. And I just we should have saw more of it. Last year in 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. 
um, the explosive play rate, meaning a rush, a rush of at least 10 yards and a pass reception or a pass play of at least 15 yards, tw- almost 24% of the plays out of 21 personnel last year ended up an explosive play. Yeah. Why not run anymore? Well, we talked about that. Why not run anymore? What'd I mean, you, you say? What'd you say? He don't normally play the hits. Exactly. Like Exactly. That's another you one, too. That? So I'm have a good play in the first quarter, and it's yeah. like, hey – yeah, go, go, run that play again. Yeah, where the that hits really at? cool play. Play <laughs> yeah. the hits. So like I say it, no. that's on Sark. Sark has concepts. I can give you the numbers that. Oh man, these these are astronomically proven to be effective. Like way more effective than other concepts, and yet they're used in in moderate. You know what I mean? In kind of a moderate form. Yeah. Why not be an extremist? If it works, oh. work it till the wheels fall off that mofo. I'm down. What you saving it for? Nope, I'm down. Joe McGuire don't save it. Went for it eight times. You and Sark kept thinking he ain't going for it again. He going for it. He's again. going for it again. And then the chess match within the game. Sometimes the chess match turns into poker. Mm-hmm. And what do you always say about poker? Sometimes you can't play the hand. You got to play the man. Yep. And there are times when Sark, you got to forget about trying to come up with concepts that are effective and schemes that are effective on the field. Go play the the DC. You've been watching film on him. You should know his trends and tendencies. Mm-hmm. You should know what he's going to do in the fourth quarter when he's up or when he's down or if he's aggressive, he likes to blitz when and all that. Like you should know the man. Down, what yeah. situation, Sometimes what if, you, if, you, if you can't yep. play the hand, he's like, I don't have enough information about the hand. Yep. I don't really know what the hell they're going to do scheme-wise, personnel-wise. Okay. Have you researched the D.C.? Do you yep. know what he likes? you know how aggressive he is? Do you know what his mentality is in the fourth quarter? you know what his mentality is when his team is up or in a lead or down? That's, that's all part of Sark taking his game to the next level as the right. chess master. And right now you're just a chess player. <laughs> and Very like I said, true. But he got, he, essentially, you know, Jordan McGuire was able to outcoach Sark. He said he's ready. You know, they're both ready. Yeah, because I don't think he was playing the hand. I think Jordan McGuire was playing the man. Yeah. He was like, man. Sark ain't, Sark ain't gonna want to gamble like me. If I gamble enough, I'll give my team enough advantages. We we can't just beat Texas. Hell no. Nah, we need some things to fall our way. We need luck on our side. Right. And I'm gonna create my own damn luck. How do you create your own damn luck? Money downs, baby. It's a great Love way to it. do it. Love it. So so the lesson is not that oh Sark should start copying him and go for on fourth down a lot. No 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 no. no. The, the 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 lesson is I need Sark to I need to be able to quantify. How Sark has won Texas games. And me as a football theorist, I'm telling you, I haven't been able to do that a lot. And I can do it early on with Joey McGuire. The second lesson is for Sark, when you have a concept, when you have a scheme, when you have a personnel package, whatever, a force multiplier, whatever it may be that's working, be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Be bullish on it. Don't use it in moderation. Use it up. <laughs> what is that Bill Withers song? Yeah, just use me. Up. <laughs> right? That's what the concept yeah. is telling you. Sorry. That's what it's, that's the target's emotion is saying. No, no, use me up. Yeah. Keep doing it. They can't stop targets in motion. If it's Xavier Word, he's averaging 21.9 yards per reception on targets with pre snap motion, do it 15 times a game. Yeah. Now, there are other concepts, but I, that was just one I gave you. I like it. I like it. I, 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 my favorite part is play the hits. Play the hits, man. Play the hits. And at fourth down, fourth down, you you can get some first. Let's play keep doing it. Play the hits. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. Texas averaged over eight yards per play with 21 personnel last year. Yeah. Eight yards per play. Mm. But 
They didn't use it a ton. <laughs> still used still used it less than 21, 21 personnel, less than 12% of the time. It's like, if I had a package averaging eight yards per play, mm. I would probably use it more than 12% of the time. Oh, that's a good thought process, Especially right? when <laughs> my two best players and my best leaders are in that package. Mm-mm-mm. So my my complaint now with Sark is that I want you to be an extremist. You're too moderate. You're too moderate. All right. I think he's ready to be the yeah. an extremist. You need to be Bernie and you're Elizabeth Warren. You need to be. I need you to be extreme. Be extreme. I, like I need you to be extreme in your views. Okay. That's it. Because Joey McGuire, he's extreme. And he's letting everybody know how extreme he is. Did you see yeah. that? Suit jacket he had on yesterday? Extreme. He's ready. He's ready. <laughs> he looks like a guy that's going to go for it on fourth exactly. down eight times in the game. You're like, what the hell? That's how that guy dresses. I like it. All right, we come back. We'll have another awesome record on this side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful not knowing. For now, the horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when the idillionaire Patrick Davis takes songs from uh, very talented artists, very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Uh, my man Patrick lets you know exactly how you can do it. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Tough on Fridays, and they're playing Saturday at Valhalla. I like that. Okay. Tough? Tough on Fridays. Tough on Fridays. Oh, wow. Oh, that's the name of the band. Mm. Tough on what makes them tough on Fridays? They party so hard. I have no idea. Oh, okay, All no right. idea. <laughs> All right, there you go. My man Patrick always hooking us up on the five one two Friday. All right, a little uh, off the record here, gentlemen. A couple of off the record stories. So we know Lionel Messi is going to be playing for uh, Inter Miami, uh, the MLS squad, and he apparently now is you know trying to become just a regular. Miami citizen. Mm-hmm. They're in the city, and he was spotted <laughs> um, shopping at a Publix grocery store. Yep. And there are a couple of people that noticed him, but for the most part, he went in, you know, kind of unnoticed and unnoticed anonymity. Yeah. Barely recognized in the public store. And there was one guy who took a picture with him, and that's all I really saw, pretty much. Well, Did think it, about it. We live in Austin where there's a ton of people, right? Like uh, we see stars all the time. It's like L.A. Miami's the same way. So they're probably like, oh, that's messy, man. That's true. Cool. That's that's fair. You know what I'm saying? That is Over fair. there, he's that's con- treated point. like a god. No, nah, that's true. So, But here, it's like, oh, there's such and such. What up, man? That's a good Keep point. Keep it moving. There are know? certain cities where that is the case. Right. And Miami would one of definitely them. be one Miami, of them. New York's like that. I remember going by. Uh, we, when my, when my wife went to New York a few years ago. And we were uh, on Broadway just kind of walking around because we went to a show. Went to go see the Book of Mormon, actually. Nice. And awesome show. Oh, Love yeah. the Book of Mormon. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and then we walked around and um, what's his name? What's his name? Noth? Uh, is it Chris Noth? The guy to play Mr. Big on Sex in the City? You know, oh, yeah. I know he's talking about. I know he's right? about. Uh, he literally we were just standing there and didn't realize he was standing right, like literally two feet behind us. He was just standing there like on his phone. Yeah. Nobody messed with him. I you might have been in a scene. You never know. You no, no, been he in wasn't. I, no, he was just on his phone. I turned around and I was like, babe, 
That's yeah. Mr. Big right there. Yeah. And she was like, Mr. Big. And he's like, how y'all, how y'all folks doing? Good to see you. <laughs> and he's walking, but nobody Kept was bothering moving, him. Right? Nobody was messing with him. We only messed with him because we were tourists. Yeah. And we were like, but everybody else was like, no, nah, Mr. Big, man. Yeah, we see thing. him all the time. See they, him all the time. They, they suit scenes right here all the time, <laughs> yeah. man. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right about that. Certain cities, not a big deal. So maybe for me, maybe Messi wants that, though. Right. Probably want some some actors and celebrities. They like I want to be in a place like Hollywood, New York, where people don't notice me and they don't care. If they do notice me, they don't care that much. That is why you you, you saw him shopping with his family with no security. No security. Didn't draw attention to himself. Yeah, just had, went on yeah. about his business. He had like three pictures that yeah. surfaced of him. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it's it's one of those things of being a soccer player in America, where it's like, look, it's a popular sport. But it is not football. It's not basketball. It's not basketball. It's not, and so it's like you're going down on it to where your odds of finding someone who's a super diehard fan who is going to be uncontrollably wanting to get a picture with you yeah. is less odds here than overseas where it's like, no, you're the best player at the yeah. biggest it's game. It's like Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, it's it's bigger than, than Pat Mahomes. No, no, it would be like Michael Jordan basically. Uh, like walking around randomly. Like, what's the, what's the biggest sports star we can think of? Because that's messy. But like, over if there. Travis Kelsey was walking around Kansas City, that's big. Yeah, people would be like, "Oh crap, that's like he's yeah, the guy." No doubt. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, Lion and Messi's here, man. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, I mean, Miami's Messi's doing things. Well, just apparently, like he's getting himself, you know, used to just being a regular old citizen in the uh, city of Miami. So good for him. Yeah. Speaking of Miami, uh, have you guys heard the rumor that Jimmy Butler is dating Shakira? The hips don't lie, man. Apparently, this thing has been going on for a little while. Oh, yeah, she was there for the NBA playoffs. So is this? A, so they are dating. It just says that it's been dating rumors. They like to smile yes. at each other. He makes her smile. Wow. Yeah. They said the forty-six-year-old superstar and basketball player. Uh, did, did, yeah, because obviously she is much older than he is, um, and he's thirty-three. Did their best to stay under the radar as they opted to arrive separately at a bar in London. Earlier this year, this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they hanging out in London together. Oh, Something they, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Kicking it. Good for Jimmy. Fashion week over there. You know, Jimmy trying to put his big face uh, clothing line out there probably. Oh, that's right. You what know? about the country music album? I'm just saying. Where happened to that? They lost, Rod. They lost. But still, he was coming up he with a country a music album. Yeah, that's, country that's how you write good country songs. <laughs> Most countries, they're about loss. Yeah. Oh, depression? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Gotta have, you got some sadness to write a good country you song. Have All right, there you go. So Jimmy Butler, maybe dating oh, Shakira. Can that's you write awesome. a country song called Those Hips Do Lie? Oh. <laughs> Well done. Don't put that on him, Patrick. Well done there, Patrick. I would love that. Jimmy, get on it. Jimmy, what you waiting yeah. on, Jimmy? Oh, Jimmy? Get on that, Jimmy. Getting on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, we come back. Uh, we actually have some uh, audio of Vince Young and Quinn Ewers hanging out. We'll play that audio That's for you. Cool. Uh, also, yeah, we'll get into some other NFL news notes and nuggets. I haven't talked enough NFL today, so we'll do that on the other side as well. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.